When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Good morning. We are live on the Falcons podcast, which we are wont to do at 9 o'clock on Wednesdays, sir. 9 o'clock-ish on Wednesdays. We're here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on these channels to talk football of all kinds, not just Atlanta Falcons. Friday's our overall NFL show. Monday and Wednesday, we talk Falcons. We also talk a lot of NFL draft and free agency wherever we are. So welcome in. Appreciate you being here. I'm Scott Kennedy. I'm in Atlanta. This guy over here, that's Nick Kendall. He is up in Seattle. So we're coast to coast with your football coverage. And uh, Nick, how are you doing this morning? I am doing pretty well. Had um, I've been doing a lot of cooking since the pandemic started. I had no skills before then and made some really delicious uh, barbecue chicken ranch uh, flatbreads last night uh, with nice Brussels sprout side. So yeah, doing pretty well. Still uh, still enjoying that new recipe. So I've been getting excited about that. That's probably going to be a dad duty uh, once things are really uh, kicking off here. Dad's, dad's the one in the kitchen, kitchen a lot. Yeah, you're you're it, the time's ticking fast, isn't it? It seems like a long time, but it it when you look back on it, it goes it goes fast. I mean, my 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 son was sleeping through the week the, through the night. I think at eight weeks, it felt like the longest eight weeks of my life. But eight weeks is nothing, man. I mean, it's yeah. it's nothing. He's fourteen and a half and can probably I don't even want to say probably he can probably whip my ass now if it if it came to it. So it goes. Fast. Uh, we go live words, in the prophetic words of Smash Mouth. I just got the prophetic words of Smash Mouth. Right, the years start coming and they don't start coming. I don't yeah. stop. Coming. Well, especially yeah. when you wait until you're you know 36 to have a kid. Like <laughs> I did. So then the, then the time really flies. Um, we're going to get into several things today. Uh, we're going to talk Arthur Smith's latest desperation move. I'm sure most of y'all know what that is, but we're going to get into that a little bit. We're going to get into Jeff Hollinger's longtime uh, Atlanta sports personality with his interview with Arthur Blank and just the key words that Arthur Blank had to say and what we can read into that. We're going to talk some free agent quarterbacks. We're going to talk some NFL draft quarterbacks uh, and all those type of things. We went on Monday, if you want to check out that show, a lot of who we thought would be the top candidates to come in and take this job if it were to open or take any job that is open. So we won't get into that quite as much, but we want to say hello to some folks, including Michael Ranquillo, who came in bright and early, red hot. He's up early with us from Tucson, Arizona, so it's bright and early out there. Uh, and coming in off the top rope, Jimmy Superfly Snooka, elbow smash with a $50 super chat uh, to help us keep the lights on, keep my forehead nice and shiny with these bright lights. And just, again, it's encouragement to say, we like what you're doing, please keep doing it. And, and thank you. It's humbling. It's it's always very humbling, Michael. So Merry Christmas to you. Thank you for everything you've done for us all year uh, on this channel at MHH, et cetera, et cetera. 
Yeah, thank you so much, Michael. That's <laughs> you're helping with the Christmas stuff uh, here, the Christmas gifts. Not that I've been waiting and ordering last minute because who would do that? Uh, but uh, appreciate you, Michael, and uh, happy holidays to you. We, I mean, gosh, you're one of the biggest benefactors of Scott and I's live streaming career. <laughs> so we really, 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 really do appreciate you. Yep. Thank you, Michael. And John Harrell coming in on YouTube before we had gone live also. I love it when the chat, I, I tried to start it a little early today. <clears throat> so I had the uh, I had the stream built an hour beforehand and I like seeing the chat come in and get started before we're even here. John was here early. He says, good morning, guys. I say, give Logan Woodside a shot. If he can't generate any offense, get rid of all three quarterbacks in the offseason. Now, I understand the he can't be any worse than what we've seen mentality, maybe the the hope of the unknown. But we are talking about a quarterback that has about 12 passes, I think, in the NFL in four years. I, I just, I don't think my gut just says, that ain't it, man. If I don't know too many guys that have gotten that much of a late start and that have actually been in the league that just... They don't ever get their shot, probably because they're not good enough. So I just, um, I mean, what could it hurt, like you said? But I just don't think you can really do that to the rest of the team. You owe it to your veterans out there. Uh, you owe it to the fans, to a certain extent, to to go out there and, and at least give the appearance that you're putting your best foot forward and trying to win these games. Uh, yeah, I mean, as dark as it feels right now, uh, this you're still in the thick of things. You can't just fold up shop. And I think that, as you mentioned, Sky Yoach, the fans, if Logan was out there in practice and, you know, equivalent or competing, there probably would be some buzz about that. But if you're outright playing a guy who looks worse in practice just to see what happens while you still have meaningful football for these guys, uh, you can create a lot of locker room issues. Uh, so I can't imagine uh, doing that. I know that he looked okay against third and fourth stringers in preseason, but I I don't know about starting. It feels like that's a white flag, and I, you still have too much to play for for the white flag. He was actually drafted in 2018. Was he Toledo? Uh, he was rostered in 2021 and 22 and 23 in four years, but that's six years he's been in the NFL, and he's thrown 13 passes. Um, attempts, 13 yards for four yards. So that's probably not my guy. <laughs> uh, he's thrown he's thrown four yards of, of offense in, in six years. That's probably not my guy. Him? But I'm with you on the last part of this. Get rid of all three quarterbacks in the offseason. I okay, I agree with this to an extent. I always thought drafting Ritter, what's the most likely outcome for him given the how everybody talks about his work ethic and stuff. I think he'd be a good fine backup quarterback. Getting rid of him in this context is also as a starter, you know, banishing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you know, and yeah, I, I can get that. And how's, how's his attitude going to be probably fine, but getting yo-yoed in and out of there, I don't think he can really be there and be the backup under Arthur Smith, but I put up a poll that said, who's, who's in Atlanta next year. Arthur Smith, Desmond Ritter, both or neither. And any of the combinations that had Arthur Smith in there was only about 15%. <laughs> Ritter was like 27%, 40% if you include both. And I'm like, yeah, I can see him being here next year. In fact, I've said he probably will be next year. But um, you're going to have to go big game hunting in the offseason. 
at least go for a, a, a competent starter. I mean, the Kobe Brissett, you know, something like that as a bridge, but we're playing our way here in Atlanta. I looked it up six and 11 in the last two seasons has uh, gotten the number seven pick. So the Falcons have been seven and 10 and have gotten the eight pick in back-to-back years. Six and 11 in the last two seasons has gotten the number seven pick. You're starting to get into quarterback territory where you can maybe one falls to you, but more than likely you can trade up with a number seven and a 2025 number one to get up into that two, three zone to pick up uh, Jaden Daniels, Drake May, Caleb Williams, whoever happens to fall to those spots, Nick. Yeah, and uh, good news for you Falcons fans is your strength of schedule is your determinant factor in tiebreakers, and there is a massive heap of teams with five and six wins uh, and even seven wins that uh, you're going to win every single tiebreaker there. That's different tiebreaker rules than uh, playoffs or anything like that. It's strictly the uh, strength of schedule on that first rule, and you're sitting there with a 4.24 4.24 strength of schedule according to Tankathon. I don't see anybody it's else. The lowest. Yeah, that I think it was tied low. with New Orleans last I looked. New Orleans at 4.29. Okay. So yeah, I know Tankathon the, the Monday night game may have may have thrown that off by a thousandth. Yep. What'll be different is your uh obviously your across uh AFC team that you played this season and obviously the two NFC uh slots as well. So uh I don't know exactly who each of those teams are for you guys, but you have the worst strength of schedule in football, so you're going to win those tiebreakers, and you're probably going to be picking somewhere between six and twelve at this point. That's probably a pretty pretty safe bet. Uh, so we'll see. That definitely puts you in the quarterback hunting range, and I think a team that you have an excess day two draft pick, which makes the trade a little bit more palatable if you can move up as well, because you're not you might not have to be dipping as heavily into the future pot uh, doing that. So yeah, we're on quarterback watch in the draft. There are three guys. Right now, we'll see what the cost could be and who the other uh, possible teams that might aggressively be looking for a guy. Right. That's that's the other thing is you're not the only one out there. Um, and the other teams that are looking for quarterbacks are probably bad teams also that have the ability to trade a 5 to 15 type of pick. Zach Power saying good morning. Good morning. Offering a coffee. I'll drink to that. Uh, Red Swarm, good, wonderful Wednesday morning. Scott, Nick, and everyone in the chat. Let's talk about it. Yeah, let's let's talk about it. Our uh, our colleagues at Mile High Huddle, they call themselves the football priests. Let's get it off your chest. We're here to uh, we're here to make you feel better. Sometimes, sometimes I'm here to bring it back down to levity. Um, not this year. This year was one where we we raised the expectations because we had higher expectations. The last two seasons, I was preaching patience. Not anymore. We were patient. This season's been a disaster. It has been nothing short of a disaster for the Atlanta Falcons. Corey Ellison, good to see you, Corey. He says, good morning, Falcons fam. Alberto Molina coming in. He says, good morning, Scott. Feel bad for Ritter. Arthur put him in this season knowing it was a high expectation year. Clearly, Ritter wasn't ready. Whose fault is that? Um, you know, last year would have been a good time to start him 12 to 15 games. Uh, if this was the guy that you wanted that last year was the time to do it. You waited till the final four. Uh, I think he had two two touchdowns, no interceptions, took care of the ball. And then this year as the starter, his taking care of the ball just vanished. What was considered the strength of last season, those last four games, that sample size, ended up being his biggest liability. That's on him. 
Um, again, am I willing to say write him off completely? No, you know, I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying that he is a bad, terrible quarterback. I'm saying he has been playing badly. Can he become something down the line? Yeah, of course he could. And that's why with his contract, he's probably making a million as a third round next year. That's peanuts uh, next year that he, he'd be worth, if his head is in the right place, it'd be worth having Desmond Ritter on the roster next year. Yeah, and I don't know about this. Desmond Ritter wasn't ready. I mean, he had a lot of starts in college. Uh, the whole offseason of him being the guy, it wasn't a competition. You're doing everything. Why don't you, you play can. him in the preseason? That's, that's a bad decision. Again, yeah, whose fault is that, Nick? Arthur Smith. I'm just saying, mm-hmm. I don't know about this. Clearly, Ritter wasn't ready because maybe he's never ready. I'm, I don't know. There's a, like, I think maybe I'm a little bit triggered right now because the all the Drew Locke stuff <laughs> going on, but like, there are only so many reps and there are too many jobs on the line to dilly dally and meander down. Well, let's give him another season. Let's keep kicking the can. It's not a perfect opportunity for him just yet. No, you only have so many shots in the NFL, especially when you're not a high pedigree quarterback. And if you don't take it and run with it, you're a forgotten man. Maybe somebody else can pick you up and you can change the narrative, but there's just too much on the line. Uh, There's too much emphasis to win now where you can't just consistently say, oh, maybe next year, maybe if we tweak this, you better take it and run with it. And he's done the exact opposite. So don't don't waste anyone's time with it. Yeah, it, it gives you a false sense of security as a fan. You're like, oh, okay, well, they're not going to play him in the preseason. You must, they must really look good. You know, everything's everything's hunky dory. Yeah, you you wait until the last four games of this regular season last year to get him some experience, and then you go into this season knowing that this is. I mean, I won't say must win, but it it, it becomes again. I'll go back to last week. Arthur Smith's job is safe unless <clears throat> unless they fall apart. Well, no shinola. Everybody's job is safe until their season falls apart. That's just a weak statement. And going back to what Roe here says, Roe says uh, Arthur Blank went from committing to Smith to being non-committal and to Smith within two weeks. Well, again, Arthur Blank didn't actually say anything two weeks ago. This was sources say Arthur Arthur Smith's job is safe unless, and I really, and that was last. That was just last week. I took issue with that immediately immediately with that statement because it's weak it is weak it is weak sauce these guys jobs are not safe hardly ever safe is i can go into these next four games and lose all four of them and have a job can i say that about arthur smith i couldn't say that about arthur smith i don't think you could either this team goes six and eleven let's find out how safe his job is go into carolina and lose We'll find out how safe his job is. And all of a sudden, Arthur Blank comes out and says, we're trying to win the next three games, and then we'll reevaluate. That is not. That's good news for Atlanta Falcons fans who want to see a coaching change. Yeah, I mean, we have Arthur Smith talking uh, yesterday, saying we're going to play these last three games. We play them to win, and we'll we'll let the season play out and go from there. Obviously, this has not been. That's Arthur Blank. Arthur Blank, excuse me. Too many Arthurs. I know. That was Arthur Blank. Arthur Blank, owner, says, obviously, this has not been the kind of year we expected. Uh, There has been rumors that Smith is safe. I just don't understand how that can even be possible, given the expenditures on this team this year. This wasn't a team that was, you know, just kicking the can down the road and seeing, hey, maybe we'll evaluate. You went for the playoffs this year, uh, obviously. Uh, You had the easiest schedule in football, and we've said it on here every single show uh, over the last few weeks, Scott. 
the head coach's side of the ball and what's supposed to be his bread and butter is one of the most broken things on the offense. You've invested so much in the offense. I mean, especially in the weapons, first round pick after first round pick, and you're using them as decoys. I mean, what kind of over galaxy brain nonsense is going on? Figure out how to get your playmakers the ball in space and create explosive plays. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know how uh, Arthur Smith could be safe, but we kind of saw it a year too late with Dan Quinn. Maybe that's a possibility. One thing I'm really concerned about is you just see too often in the NFL teams not really aligning the head coach to the quarterback. You kind of get this waffling where everything's a year off and you're constantly stuck in this weird cycle where uh, you have the quarterback has to learn a new system or drafting a new quarterback under this head coach. He only gets one year, but it's too early for the quarterback to really know, especially an early pick. Uh, and it's just the timeline's always wrong. If you're hunting for a new quarterback in the draft, you, I think you better get a damn new coach too. I know he's an offensive coach. It hasn't been totally fair because the quarterback has been what it's been. Uh, but also, again, there's people jobs on the lines. You only have so many shots. Everything's pointing to not getting it done. I just I can't young, imagine. What young quarterback better. has he had success with? None. The answer none. is none. Yeah. He had success with Ryan Tannehill, who had a, a modicum of success with the Miami Dolphins. Came over to Tennessee and had a couple really good years under Arthur Smith. But that was probably years seven and eight of, of uh, Ryan Tannehill's career. Um, and he already had 125 touchdown passes in the league. Uh, David Cromwell, good to see you, David. Uh, one of our Broncos friends coming in, cross-pollinating the, 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 the Falcons channel here, too. He says, Benjamin Albright thinks Arthur Smith is safe. Benjamin Albright's in Denver? Yes. Thereabouts or was? Is. This guy in Atlanta does not. This, this Scott Kennedy thinks Arthur Smith is not safe. Guy who covers the Atlanta Falcons lives in Atlanta has the pulse of them and has watched Arthur Smith, Arthur blank wait a year too long on several of his, his dismissals. I don't think Arthur Smith is safe. And uh, going back down here to uh, let's see what, who was it that just came in here and said, um, he goes, the, the oh, sorry. I, someone else said it and I wanted to highlight you. I like highlighting the good comments in the chat. Um, but he says that uh, the, the interview said it all. I mean, you want to talk about milk toast? Yeah, we'll see. Arthur Blank saying we're 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 playing these next three games to win, then we'll evaluate at the end of the season. The decisions, if it hasn't been made, it's pretty darn close. I think that that was speaking volumes. And if he's not gone, then there will be massive changes on the staff of the offensive staff. And there will be some validity to the discussion that Arthur Blank and Fred Smith are buddy-buddy. And the good old boy system is in play here because there's no reason. I asked, I asked Nick this on Monday. Are there any other franchises that you follow, you watch, where this isn't a foregone conclusion that he's already gone? In year three, with a disaster, with a disaster, of a uh of a 2023 season because that's what this has been i just i yeah i can't see a situation where that can be sold to the fan base because it's not like you've had crazy amount of injuries or it's the hire the wrong defensive coordinator and the offense is top 10 but you know the defense couldn't stop the sun from hitting their eyes you know like that kind of thing going on no the defense has been top 10 this year i mean honestly top 12 top 10 they've been good uh you, 
few things here and there that obviously can be improved upon, but it's the offensive side of the ball. It's the run game system. It's the quarterback you picked. And it's not all just the quarterback. I mean, it's the play design and getting the playmakers, the ball, these highly invested top 10 draft picks. I mean, God, it's uh, the situation here. seems to me pretty obvious. I, I, we don't know what's going on in the locker room. We don't know how the players respect or like, or interact with him. I, if I was Pitts or London or Bijan, I'd be, pretty annoyed right now you're hurting my pocket probably with what's going on here uh but i don't know i mean i guess it could happen but i just i I can't imagine uh keeping him around with what's happening right now if if you win the final three games and get in the playoffs that'll be a different world than the one we live right now and we'll go then uh but from where we sit today after losing that panthers game and what it's looked like here in atlanta the easiest schedule clear path uh, i just i don't see how that's a viable solution and it's not just one game, you know, it's the Cardinals yeah. game. It's the Vikings game with Josh Dobbs at home. It's the Washington Commanders game. Like I said, they've got eight losses. Who's there? They're their eight losses this year. The winning percentage of those eight teams is 375. You're fired. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need to know anything else, man. Yeah. I, I, I really don't. And you've beaten one winning team all season. And that was, uh, that was, um, Houston, that was a good win. I said at the time that was a good win. It was a really good win. Um, but that was, uh, that was bad. And it, Rusty came in here, was asking about Arthur Blank's interview. Yep. That was one of them. If we had seen it and, and I agree, it was not, it was not even of the d- dreaded vote of confidence. He didn't even get that, which I would have said, well, if he said that, oh uh, yeah, you know, I feel good about where we're at. If he had said something like that, I would have called that the dreaded vote of confidence. Let's wait a month and see what actually happens. Chris Walker. Good morning, Scott and Nick, along with everyone else. Is it time for Rich McKay to go as well? Probably. But if Arthur Smith is the coach of this team next year, I will unequivocally say yes. I will say yes. It's time to clean house up, up above them too. Um, I keep Terry Fontenot. I think overall they've done a really good job of setting up this roster. Um, Salary cap wise. They've got like $500,000 in dead cap on the books next year. They'll have a little bit more because they'll make some changes with guys like Taylor Heineke. If they cut him, they have to eat a little dead cap. But he, they had like $102 million of injured, non-playing money on the books last year. It was like 50% of their roster. Uh, does anybody in here think that it's a major talent problem that is holding this team back? Now, I'm not ready to say that they're loaded up there with the Eagles, the 49ers, Cowboys, Bills, et cetera, et cetera. But against this schedule, after 14 games, 11-3, and three, a, a mediocre team is 11-3. and three. An average team in the NFL is 11-3 and three against the schedule. I mean, it's hard to win the NFL, Scott. That might be a, a little extreme in my opinion, but like a Look five loss. you've lost, though. And and look who they've lost them to. They've had leads in several of these games. You don't lose to the Panthers. You don't lose to the Commanders. Uh, You don't lose to the Cardinals. There's a three-game swap right there that makes it nine and five. I think, yeah. And I'm not far away. No. Three is extreme, though. I mean, you're talking the number one seed in the NFC uh, with three or close to it. Uh, So, and I know the schedule is easy. With the schedule? Yes, I am. It's still the NFL, right? It's a week-to-week league. It's hard uh, at the end of the day. This isn't uh, the SEC or something where the talent disparity between Georgia and everybody else is crazy. Or uh, All right. Lost the Lions, lost the Jags. I'll give it to you. 
Lost to the Commanders, I will not. Lost to the Titans with Will Levis making his first start, I will not. Minnesota Vikings coming home and starting Jaron Hall for his first start ever who lasts a quarter and playing a journeyman who just got off the MARTA train and walked into the into the uh, the bends in the first quarter and wins that game, I will not. The Cardinals, I will not. The Buccaneers, okay, you split with the Buccaneers. Okay, I'll give you that one for the third. And the Panthers, I will not. That's 11 and three. That's 11 and three. And it's easy to come up with 11 and three. Yeah, I, there, I'd still probably throw in a couple chaos games in there. Maybe that's the Commanders and Vikings in the end, uh, just because, because it is. You assume, yeah. Okay, well, what about yeah. the games you won, Scott, that you might not have, should have? Panthers, yes. Packers, beginning of the season, the way the Packers were playing, you're in your third okay. year, and Jordan Love's making his second career start, yes. Texans, coming to Atlanta with a rookie quarterback who was playing out of his mind, but it's still just the fifth game of the year. Yes, you're three years into your system. You're ahead of them. Yes. At Buccaneers, I'll switch those two. You get a yes. I'll take a split with the Buccaneers. That's one of the losses that I'm willing to commit. Commanders, at home. Again, at home to the Commanders. They're going to be drafting the top five. No, that's a win. Uh, The other one, the Saints. I'll give the Saints a split again because you won at home. I'll give us a split and give the finish on that one. And then at Jets. They were four-game losers starting their fourth quarterback. That's a win you have to have. So, no, 11-3 and is not outrageous. That's not some, you're covering this team, you're too close to, you're too homers. That's how bad the schedule is. That's how bad a job Arthur Smith has done. That 11-3, and it should be 12-2. and I should have 12-2 and on the board. I actually hedged to make it 11-3. and yeah, I either way, they are drastically <laughs> underperforming uh, compared to what their schedule is. Uh, it's kind of, you know, playing Big Ten West football out here like, oh, no, no dip. You went 10 and two this season. You didn't play anybody. And when you did, you got smacked. But uh, sorry, projecting their little Iowa Hawkeye football onto this. But I'm yeah, saying, no, I'm not saying that they're a contender. I'm just saying no. what their record should be. I'm saying they're still well behind Detroit and the NFC, well behind Detroit, Philly and um, and the 49ers. And if they're playing the Packers right now, the Packers are playing okay. The Seahawks would get, but they didn't play the Seahawks. They didn't play the Rams. They didn't play. They're not playing the Packers right now. That Jordan Love has some game. They played all these guys. It's 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 the the long and the short of it is there's no excuse for Arthur Smith to have a job next year. Yeah, and I I just can't imagine. We'll see again what the last three games look like and what the world looks like at that point because that's a different reality, uh, but they've definitely drastically underwhelmed. And I don't think it's all just, you know, the quarterback play quarterbacks, the biggest thing, but he, Arthur Smith's not absolved of the quarterback situation. And even then it seems like everything's hard. Where's the run game. That's not everything in football is connected. It's everything's a system stat. I know, I know, but uh, the running game still, is like, regressed too. And you're, you're, you're using a number eight pick on a running back and you get worse running the ball. You're using your number two pick on an offensive guard, and you got worse running the ball. You're fine. Yeah, I'm just going to look at the uh, the stats from last year for this Falcons team on offense because it's really, I think, the efficiency stats for the rushing game are head scratching uh, to talk about. Like what has happened to this team um, with their rushing offense? Yeah, last season 
they looked like they were top about top three uh, in rushing EPA. And that was with Mariota, who is obviously not great. Top four, excuse me. Uh, top four in rushing game, top five in uh, rush success rate. Uh, this season, they got to be in the bottom 10 after further investing in the offensive line infrastructure. You have a Drake London a year older. You have Kyle Pitts back. Uh, this system should be much more. Brought in a tight end. Obviously, brought in a tight end. You're sitting there with the 26th EPA per rush offense this year after being fourth last year. And you're talking about with a running back 27th in success rate. I mean, what the heck is going on? Y'all hear that real nice and clear shout for those of you in the back. The Falcons offense in 2022 went from the fourth most effective running game in the NFL to the 27th most effective running game in the NFL. What's Arthur Smith? What does he want to do? What's the identity of this game? Of his teams? Smash mouth, move the ball, control the clock. You have failed. You have failed this team, said the Green Arrow. Yeah, Scott clears his throat you there. You have yeah, failed this city. <laughs> Charlie Beagle says, how mad are Falcons fans about losing to the Panthers? Honestly, I don't know. I think some... We're, that's a, it's an it's a strange question, Charlie. It's it's an interesting question, nuanced question. I think some Falcons fans are actually relieved slash happy because they see where this team is going and they don't want to put a bandaid on a bullet wound. This loss to the Panthers was the shout around two eighty five that change has to happen around the whole city. And then some, and then it'll reverberate out into the burbs. Change has to happen. What is going to make the Falcons angry is if Arthur Blank does not fire Arthur Smith. Then you're going to see angry Falcons fans. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, definitely frustrating for sure. I th- I don't remember what Panthers player it was, but after the game, they asked, like, how does it feel to beat a rival? And he's like, you know, we're both going on vacation at the end of the season anyway, even though the Falcons are still in it. I guess the Panthers are calling that Panthers player is calling a shot that uh, this Falcons team will be left out in the cold. And honestly, it might be for the best. Uh, I know you'd want, if you get a chance in the dance, it's good, but I don't, I think it was somebody made the point of with where this team is at right now. Maybe you don't want that first place schedule next season. Cause that, I mean, that makes a big difference. Do you want to take on the 49ers? Do you want to take on the Cowboys slash whoever? Do you want to play that first place team and third, third place schedule year. hadn't helped them this year hasn't helped them but it gives you a leg up next year given the how overlapped everybody is in the nfc the top of this season in the nfc south uh keith and ellen johnson coming in here saying good morning scott and nick i could almost handle keeping smith as a coach if they get a new offensive coordinator and keep Ritter as a backup and let him fight for a starting job i i don't know keith i appreciate that or ellen keith or keith and ellen here uh <laughs> but uh I just don't know if, you know, running it back with Smith has much of a ceiling given just how tired the scheme and everything looks right now. Now it's a young offense. I think a lot of it is still execution based Scott overall. I, I mean, I, there is a reality out there where we're bearing Smith right now. He comes back. You have a Kirk cousins entered in here. He's making all the right reads. He's playing complimentary to the offensive line, getting to the right checks based on the pre-snap alignment of the defense and boom, offense takes off. That's possible. Why isn't Kirk cousins here? Why isn't there a better quarterback here? Because they put their eggs in the Ritter basket. Because Arthur Smith is also in charge of personnel and he put his eggs in the Ritter basket. That is a fireable offense. That's the problem with that argument is he's basically co-general manager also. That's the problem. 
He's co-general manager, so he's also in charge of picking who's playing and who's on the team. He's in charge of the offense. If you have a problem with the personnel on offense, it's your fault also. That's the problem I have with that argument, Nick. So do you strip him down? Again, because uh, the, the Johnson family here, I've said this before. I actually don't mind a lot of the things I've seen Arthur Smith do as a head coach. The, the culture has changed. The defensive culture has changed. He's made some good hires. Ryan Nielsen's a good hire. Offensive line, Jerry Gray, good hires. Um, this team plays hard for him. Those are all good things. Those are not just, I don't just take those for granted. But they made a massive mistake at the quarterback position. How they handled the quarterback position, again, I go back to uh, you know, not playing Desmond Ritter hardly at all last year, and then not in the preseason when this kid needed reps. Absolutely needed reps coming into this season, coming into this year. Now, if this was two years ago and you didn't want to get him killed while you still had Matt Ryan, fine. Of course, that's also why I said I wanted Justin Fields at the time. But I digress. Would he handle, okay, you're out of personnel, you're out of offensive, and you're no longer the offensive coordinator. You've been, you've been stripped of a lot of your duties. How, how is that going to work? Is that become, how is that going to affect the morale around the room? Questions? You know, who's really in charge? That kind of stuff. I think there's been no question who's been in charge the last three years. It's been Arthur Smith. And for the most part, the last two years, that's been a good thing. This year, it's a problem. This year, it's a problem. I'm, I'm, I understand the sentiment. I've said this sentiment. But the more it goes along, and then this desperation move of flip-flopping again to Taylor Heineke tells me you don't have control. You, you are doubting yourself to the point. I don't want to say you don't know what you're doing. That's not the right thing. But that you've lost confidence and your ability to do this job from everyone. You're grasping at straws here. Not you, but mm -hmm. Arthur Smith at the end. I feel like if I really want to get Scott going, I feel like I just poke the bear here completely. Like, why didn't she trade for Lamar Jackson? He was right there, Scott. Come on. What's going yeah, on? Piece of cake. That was, that was a, I, I've already had that discussion on Twitter here recently. And this is a team that didn't want Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson was never available to the Atlanta Falcons. I will get, y'all know I'm going to get on them. I will criticize the Atlanta Falcons till I go horse. Not for that. Not yeah. for not, not for Lamar Jackson. That was silly. That was media clickbait BS. Yeah. Yeah, he was uh, never going. It was just testing the market uh, out here and saying, what could you get? Okay, all right. Well, welcome back. We love you. <laughs> but, yeah, he uh, got what? What would he get? Two, $180 million, $200 million, five years, $260 million, almost 200 of that guaranteed. And that yeah. was without having to match an offer. <laughs> you would have had to significantly beat that and send two first-round draft picks. Yeah, he wasn't for sale. No, not for sale in that one. Nice, uh, fun story uh, to talk about in the offseason. And it does come back to, I mean, the Falcons really do need a quarterback. It's not just the head coach at the end of the day in the system, although that's not helping. But, yeah, what the Falcons do at quarterback is going to be really, really interesting. Uh, can they go up and get one of the top quarterbacks in the draft? If they keep losing here, uh, there's going to be a chance. Of course, you have uh, Justin Fields as well as a really interesting wild card, assuming the Bears are taking a quarterback and trading off of Fields. With Fields, the benefit also, you probably don't have to give up that first-round pick, so it's Fields plus whatever person you take in the top 10. You do have to gear up to pay him in about two years. 
but or a year even. I'm not sure. Uh, maybe it's a year. But uh, that is certainly going to be interesting to follow. Do you have any? Obviously, we're still in the fledgling stages of the offseason evaluation. But do you have anybody that you are most interested in making a move for right now? Anybody that stands um, out to you? Yeah, real quick, I want to because I want to I want to get to this. I want to add in some people into this conversation based on some things I see, and I want to say thank you to the Johnson family for the stars on that one. Thank so you. So thank you, because Zach says Tannehill that feels too probable. No, for me on Tannehill. Tannehill hasn't had a productive season since Arthur Smith left, and that's how Arthur Smith got the job. Uh, his play has gone downhill since then, and I'm saying it was because of Arthur Smith. But he's going to be 36 next year. No. Uh, we could have given Joe Flacco a shot, possibly, talking about the bridge quarterbacks. Uh, Dirk Lawrence saying, good morning, roll tide, go blues, and Falcons suck. I'm with you on at least two of those three. No, I'm, I'll, I'll be rooting for Alabama. I, you, Dirk, I think you remember I went to Auburn. I grew up in Atlanta. I was a pro sports fan. I'm not in that whole Auburn-Alabama thing that way. That, that rivalry is unhealthy. Um, Dave's in here. He says, good morning. I want to see the Falcons retain the defensive staff, the O-line running backs coach. Talked about that a little bit. Calder, he says, is there any chance Cam Newton can come and play? And there is another one in here that I want to say that Rusty also came in. He was talking about Jacoby Prissett. Are we going to keep signing bums forever, trade up, draft a quarterback, and play him? And going back to your question, let's circle that back around with any guys that you're looking at. Yeah, the, the problem, Rusty, is there's other teams looking for quarterbacks. You can't just go get one. You know, so it becomes, does one fall in your lap in the draft? Because right now it would be Caleb Williams, Jaden Daniels, or Drake May for me in the draft. Those those are the guys. And then after that, it's some developmental guys. Maybe I get a day two guy. And, and he, you hit gold on that. That's fine. But then you start looking at free agents and available trades, and you start looking, okay, is Kyler Murray going to be available? Is Justin Fields going to be available? You look at free agents. Kirk Cousins. Where's Kirk Cousins' best spot? going going right now that you would have to compete with let's say he's healthy because he was playing great where do you think his best fit is in 2024 minnesota minnesota the minnesota vikings i yeah. absolutely 100 agree with you the minnesota vikings scratch him off the table so espn has a, a an article out today on espn plus about the the free agent quarterbacks and where they could possibly go you know who the next best free agent quarterback is on, on their list, Baker Mayfield. Okay. After that, Gardner Minshew. Okay. So when we talk about, you know, these guys like, okay, Jacoby Brissett, that bum. Well, this is what you're talking about. Available quarterbacks. Hmm. We'll trade up and go get him. Well, okay. Well, what if someone breaks the bank? Okay. If I'm sitting at seven or six, six and 11 got the seventh pick the last two years. Okay, the Falcons drafted eighths at seven and ten. Six and eleven got the number seven pick the last two years. If you're sitting at seven, that probably won't get you one of the first three quarterbacks. You're going to have to move up. What are you willing to give up to beat someone else that's going to trade up and get into one of those spots? Because it will cost you at least your seven, your 2025 20, number one, and change. Maybe another second round, maybe another third round pick that you get from the Jaguars. Okay. Will that be enough to even move up? And are you willing to spend more than that? Probably. Probably. To get one of those three guys, I probably am. I'm probably willing to go all in to get my quarterback in this class. The question becomes, 
are th- are any of the picks going to be available for trade at the top? Uh, because there is a possibility where you are just simply squeezed out um, because there are enough teams hungry for quarterback that, I mean, the, the real wild card here is uh, Arizona with their pick. Uh, are you going to offer them a package that is worth more to them than likely Marvin Harrison Jr.? Uh, that's to be determined. And also the wild card of Justin Fields. Will the Bears stick with him? I can't imagine doing that. I mean, he's been fine, but there's still a lot of negative plays. And at this point, he's probably not going to end up a top five perennial quarterback in the league from what we've seen. He can be good, no doubt, a franchise quarterback. Uh, but the resetting the quarterback contract is Fields a $150 million guaranteed contract guy in two oh. years, or would you rather wait, get it yourself another shot four or five years? I know it's a kind of a mystery box option, but you're also getting – you have another draft pick, you're getting picks back for fields and that cost control reset is really enticing. Uh, so I don't know. We'll see what happens, but there is a possibility, Scott, that the Cardinals don't want to trade down. The bears are taking a quarterback at one. So and what does that at, mean? That means that you probably are in the Justin Fields market more Kyler than anything Murray market. Else. That means the next of best available young quarterbacks are Kyler Murray and Justin Fields. If and Kyler all of you that want to say all of you that, that, that there's, we got almost 200 people watching right now live. Thank you. Love it. Yeah, appreciate you. There are a lot of people that have seen those teams fail in poor. I mean, those players fail in poor situations and say, I don't want those bums. He's not an upgrade. I've seen people say that Justin Fields, Kyler Murray, they're not upgrades on Desmond Ritter. One, you're out of your mind. But two, just because a player's in the wrong situation doesn't necessarily mean that they are a bad player. Kyler Murray makes this team better. Justin Fields makes this team better. How much? I don't know. But if you can't get one of those three quarterbacks, those are your next two best options to make that move and then draft a guy and then keep drafting guys. Michael Penix, great. Bo Nix, okay, I get him in the second round. Maybe. Keep shooting. You've got to hit on this position. You've, you've got to. Because I'll go back. Yes, Scott, you're beating a dead horse. Three years. You can't draft Kyle Pitts when your quarterback situation is in flux. You can't draft Drake London when you don't have a quarterback. It doesn't make any sense. You've got to have the quarterback first because they're not easy to get. And you better keep trying until you get him. You take a guy like that for the the Falcons through their history, as bad as they've been, have been okay at the quarterback position for a long, long time. There's been spells like this one where they've had, where you're in between and you see how bad it is. Matt Ryan was a good quarterback. Michael Vick was a good quarterback. Chris Chandler was a good quarterback. Chris Miller was okay on a bad Falcons team. Jeff George had some success here. Steve Barkowski, that's basically my history with the Atlanta Falcons. There was some good quarterback play. This isn't good quarterback play, and you can see what it can do for you. And, you know, you watch one play, and Greg, custom kicks, good to see you. Thanks for the super chat, my friend. He says, let nothing distract you from the fact that Desmond Ritter overlooked a wide-open Drake London and attempted to throw into a triple-covered Falcon. And what's funny on that play, Greg, that interception, you're not sure who he's throwing it to because he basically threw it between Kyle Pitts and Drake London and who were in the exact same spot at the same time with another guy right behind them drawing five defensive backs to cover three guys in an area the size of a phone booth while... All five offensive linemen and Bajan Robinson are over on the other side of the field on the opposite hash mark running misdirection. There's so much wrong with that play from the design, 
from Kyle Pitts half-assing it out of his, coming out of his stance, turning, and oh God, he about ran into Drake London there as he's jogging through, to you see Desmond Ritter break contain and make that guy miss. Dude, that's a touchdown. 99 times out of 100, when a quarterback makes that play, there's usually somebody wide open that they hit on that. Instead, it's an interception and the game turned. It was it was a microcosm, Greg, of this team, of this Falcons team. That play summed up this team in one play. Desmond Ritter turning the ball over. Kyle Pitts half-ass in his route. Three guys in the same place. Meanwhile, the fourth highest paid offensive line and the number eight overall draft pick are over there tying their shoes on the opposite hash mark. It's bad. There's a lot of bad. That that whole that play right there encapsulated the Atlanta Falcons 2023. Can't have it. Yeah, it's just dumb. <laughs> uh, you just <laughs> stupid decision, bad design, red zone. You have a chance to put the game away and just silliness. Uh, yeah, it's not good. Uh, Keith Robbins comes in and says, "Well, fellas, why do you, we go through this every damn year? Because you believe, right? It's the keep the faith. Also, because as frustrating as this season has been." And there are positives still. And I would argue that overall you have good bones not to be, you know, house flipping on this team with the Falcons, but you know, the infrastructure on the offensive line, the weaponry in place, the, some of the pieces on the defense, although you could still use some work at uh, the defensive line from a long-term perspective, but this team has good bones. There is reason to be optimistic long-term. It's what makes, you know, Scott and myself so frustrated right now is that you can see the talent on paper, the investment they've made and with the easy schedule and whatnot, they're making, critical errors over and over again. And it's just, it's frustrating because we know they have the potential. If this was a team that was like the Panthers or like one of the new England Patriots right now, it's like, yeah, it's frustrating, but like, what are you going to do? You just don't have the dudes. You're, you're outmatched, outgunned, whatever you want to say. Not in theory with this Falcons team. You have guys here. You're not getting it done. So that's what makes it all the more frustrating. Michael asks, uh, would Desmond Ritter fit in the Sean Payton offense if he was the head coach of Desmond Ritter? He'd, he'd be better. Um, and the design of the plays would be better to open things up more, for sure. Um, where your backs, you'd probably run some more two-back sets, and you would find ways to use Bajan Robinson and Tyler Algier and Cordero Patterson more in the short passing game. Um, I think you could see a huge season from Drake London. Uh, in that Michael Thomas role, that big physical, we're going to play a lot of short passing games and get one-on-one matchups on the outside, and, and Drake's going to beat these guys. Drake's a good player. Drake is a really good player. Um, that yeah, I mean Desmond Ritter would be much better playing for Sean Payton. I don't I don't think that's a hot take. Would he be the answer, or would would Sean Payton still be looking for another quarterback? Probably uh, the latter. Uh, I had a I had a question in here, and I'll let you take a, a first shot at this. Um, let me see here. What is it? But it basically said, it said, Scott, you're a scout. Uh, how do guys miss on, uh, the Jake Brownings and Brock Purdy's of the world? Why, you know, why do those guys succeed? And while I'm letting Nick answer that, I'll find it so I can make sure I, I bring that up for you. Cause that's a good question. Football is a hard game to evaluate and everybody's in a different system. And, uh, when you move things around, it's especially the college game, it's just not very translatable because who you're playing, how you're playing, who's around you can vary so much. Uh, I would not, I would argue that Browning didn't slip through unnoticed. I think he's still writing a 
wave of we don't really know what the the Bengals are doing with him just yet. Like if the, let's say the Bengals traded Burrow and started Browning this season, the numbers would not be what they are right now. They just I, they, they just wouldn't. There'd be some regression. There's limited arm talent, but he's a smart quarterback. And honestly, I'm as impressed with his intelligence and future as a coach somewhere. That's honestly what he was going to do uh, before getting a call to join the Bengals last season. And also the uh, Taylor slash Callahan offense, the complete flip of what they're doing emphasis wise from Burrow to Browning has been impressive to see in season. Uh, Purdy, a guy like Purdy, I think it's somewhat the NFL is overly in in love with physical traits because they are measurables. And these two quarterbacks are two that didn't have those physical measurable gifts. Uh, So they slipped through the cracks. Now, it's it's hard because there are way more quarterbacks who lack the gifts that freaking suck and don't make the league at all um, <laughs> versus, you know, the ones that do. So you're hedging your bets there, but they're always going to be guys who slip through the cracks, especially um, possible at teams like quarterback. But you have to understand also that while there's Purdy and Browning uh, slipping through the cracks and going through unnoticed, what is the N? It's still the hit rate for quarterbacks. If you're drafted in the top 10, it's much better than outside the top 10 is much better than day two is much better than day three. Uh, so the NFL still is pretty good at evaluating guys based on the overall hit rate uh, and the haves and have nots at quarterback, but there'll always be some dudes who for one reason or another fall and then hit in the league. And, and Charlie, I'll back up what Nick is saying on this. Uh, football is a bigger, faster, stronger game. It's, it's not, it's not a skill game the way baseball is, the way basketball is, the way soccer is. There's skill, don't get me wrong, there's skill involved and there are techniques involved, but there those are much more trainable than a guy to hit a, a, a 93 mile an hour slider. That's that's a God's gift. Um, so bigger, faster, stronger wins this. That said, the hardest position, the position that relies the least amount on physical traits, so it becomes the hardest to measure uh, objectively, is the quarterback position. But as Nick said, you're still looking at traits. So I think of it like this, like as a pitcher, Charlie, if I've got a guy that's throwing 102 miles an hour, he's going to be fast tracked the whole way through. And he could struggle. He he has struggle with his command, but he's going to get a scholarship. He's going to get drafted high. He's going to get all every benefit of the doubt with that 102 mile an hour fastball. Meanwhile, there's a guy that's throwing 88 and all he's doing is getting guys out. And he has to go to a junior college and he has to go to a division two school and he gets drafted in the 22nd round and his road might be a little bit longer to get there. But if he's successful because he's a good pitcher, even though he doesn't have that fireball arm, he will make it and he will succeed. And it doesn't hurt if you've got all of those, those traits, because Purdy's got a good arm, no doubt about it. He's just shorter. He's on the shorter side, which is a knock against him without the, the big time mobility that, that covers up some of that, like a Kyler Murray type. Then to get drafted by Kyle Shanahan and be put into a system where you've got the most weapons around you is he's put in the best possible place to succeed, to take advantage of what he does well. Um, So I'm not taking anything away from Purdy because I think he's doing really well in that offense. I see him make some ballsy throws uh, that, that are true NFL throws and he's not just a system guy. But that's that's how it happens, and how that's how it happens with a lot of guys. You're you you see, you're not dealing with just traits in a computer program. These are still human beings, um, and and it boils down to 
it's an inexact science and it is the probabilities. The guy who is bigger, faster, and stronger is going to win nine out of 10 times. But with a thousand guys in the NFL, that's a hundred guys that were not thought of as very high that are succeeding. Um, Michael coming in, he says, hi, hi guys. Falcons won't take fields because they don't want to look wrong for not taking them in the first place. Well, then you're destined to fail with a lot of different things. You, It's a different world that you live in now than when you made that pick, and uh, you got to go with what's available. So a lot of teams passed on fields but would be happy to take him now. Every team passed Tom Brady multiple times. They'd be happy to take him. So, you know, things change. Circumstances change. We see that fields is can be a quality quarterback. Just how good? Don't know. Uh, but I definitely think that uh, you, you shouldn't not take him because you don't want to be proven wrong. That's you're going to get fired for sure. Then if you're making decisions based on that, so uh different world, you got to evaluate on the now. Yeah. Don't, I like to say, don't turn one mistake into two, you know, doing that with, you've done that with baseball, building baseball teams at the youth level, but this is, you know, actual legitimate. This is big time. This matters. Um, and I wonder whose decision was it, you know, Arthur Smith and Terry, uh, Terry Fontenot say they do everything together. Well, you don't always agree. Nick and I do everything together and we would disagree. So whose ultimate decision was it? Was, was it Fontenot that said, I don't want this guy at all. And he's, cause he's still going to be here next year. Arthur Smith might not be. And if I can get him for a second round pick versus the number four overall. Okay. Well, I didn't like him that Jeff Schultz, AJ, uh, former AJC is now at the athletic put a quote out on Twitch yesterday saying, you know, sources tell me that they just weren't that high on Justin Fields at the time. He was never going to be taken at that spot at number four. Okay. Well, that was three years ago. Things change and you won't have to use a number four pick to get him now. If you decide that if he becomes available and you want to go that route. So it doesn't mean you necessarily can't, but I, I understand your, your thoughts here. Uh, Eddie, good to see you. He's coming in with some stars for us on Facebook. Certainly appreciate that. Thank you so much. Um, there was a question here. I don't think I hit it on Cam Newton. Um, it came in on Facebook. You know, what about Cam Newton? You know, why, what's what's the drawback of having him just come in and play? Cam has basically said, because uh, my friend texted me this yesterday. He's like, Cam Newton would do better than any of these guys. He would be. Cam Newton has said, and I'm paraphrasing here, I'm not coming back unless they pay me a truckload. I'm, I'm rich. I'm good. I'm sitting out. It's going to be at least eight figures for me to come in. Is someone going to come in and give Cam Newton 12 to $15 million to come be a quarterback right now? No. And it's not worth it to him. I don't blame him. Dude, he put in his time. He's got his money. Enjoy it. If he, if they want him to come back, they're going to have to pay him. So I, I just, I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. I can't see it, uh, especially at this point in the season. Uh, it's probably not going to make much of a difference. And he wasn't, great at the end anyway. I mean, the shoulder stuff, maybe he would be better than Ritter, but it's, it's the implementing him into the offense. Uh, that seems pretty unlikely. That's one of those things that, you know, you have the bye week maybe you take a shot then. Uh, but I, I, I can't see it at this point. Um, Keith, he asked a couple questions on quarterbacks. You would prefer over on Facebook. Uh, he says drew lock or Davis mills. Um, go ahead on that one. Uh, it depends what you're looking for. If you're looking for a little bit more guns a blazing high variance, you probably go with Drew Locke. If you're looking for a little bit more steady Eddie making the field reads and whatnot and running the offense, you're probably going for Davis Mills. Mills is a little bit younger. I think he's probably a little bit more consistent, but Locke's got a little bit more chutzpah 
uh, to him if he would. So it depends on preference. Uh, if you if you think that turnovers are death, you probably don't want to go with Davis Mills. If you are saying we can live with some negatives because we are hunting explosives, big game hunting, then you probably go with Drew Locke. Yeah, I think for the Atlanta Falcons, I would much rather go with Davis Mills. If I was rebuilding and needed some excitement and had a young wide receiver core out there, but I, I think the Falcons team is set up to win. They they really are. That's why that's why Falcons fans are so disappointed right now is because of this schedule, of this roster, of these offensive weapons, and the offense goes out there and lays an egg. Um, I would rather have a distributor of the ball, and and, and Drew Locke's a, a playmaker, kind of a turnover machine. Um, can he grow out of that? Sure, but I, I think a little bit of Drew Locke of being a higher ceiling Desmond Ritter. There's a lot of similar characteristics there. Drew Locke's just got a bigger arm. Yeah. Uh, and then he also asked, there was another one in here. Uh, would you have Zach Wilson or Mac Jones? That's an easy one for me. I'll probably, God, they both are stinky, right? Uh, <laughs> I think, uh, man, whichever one's cheaper. It really comes down to that. Um, whichever one does cost me the less. Are they paying me to take them? I, Mac Jones looks so broken. We actually have seen flashes of him being competent before, but like more recently, Zach Wilson has looked better than Mac Jones. Don't make me answer. <laughs> I think that's, I, I don't know. I'll, Maybe I'll answer. That's easy for me. It's Mac you, Jones. It's Mac Jones. Mac He's Jones been, has been, if, <clears throat> if I take their, all of their games and lay them out, I've got 10 decent games from Mac Jones to every one of Zach Wilson. I'll take Mac Jones. I, I would much rather have Mac Jones, get him a fresh start, sit him for a year if need be. Um, but I would, I would take Mac Jones over Zach Wilson every day of the week and probably three times on Sundays. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess um, we, I think we've seen a little bit better from um, Zach Wilson this season. There have been some good games, but uh, it's, uh, it's frustrating as well. So I, I don't blame you one bit. I'd rather not answer. <laughs> Keith Robbins says, well, fellas, why do we go through this every damn year? Um, there was a constant in there. You could say Rich McKay and Arthur Blank are the constant, but, um, the golden age of Falcons football began under owner Arthur Blank. Uh, you know, they've had what six or seven straight losing seasons. Um, that was the 1980s for me. And they were like four and 12 losing seasons. Um, the constant for me on this one is Thomas Dimitrov. Now I don't want to put it all on his feet, but Thomas Dimitrov made some really bad mistakes towards the end of his tent here, trying to give it just one more go and mortgaging the future on a team that wasn't capable of winning now. So not only did they not win now, he also bankrupt the future, which is where Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith came in in 21 and 2022. And we're basically just trying to survive with 50% of your available resources and salary cap. Terry Fontenot has helped re and, and Arthur Smith has helped rebuild the culture on this and headed in the right direction. I still feel that as a franchise, they're in a much better position right now. I don't care if the record says it or not. I can look at this team up and down the roster and say, this team is in a much better shape than they were. And financially the potential than where they were when they took over. So the, the fact that they're not is why we're talking so much about change, Keith. And thank you for the stars and the support. 
And this team is still flexible enough in a multitude of directions that this is, doesn't have to be the, their final form by any means. You're going to have, as it stands right now, uh, four top 100 picks in the upcoming draft, which is very nice, including whatever your first-round pick ends up being. And uh, you still have a lot of cap flexibility now. Some of that's going to probably get eaten up here. AJ Terrell is going to need to get paid. Uh, but overall, I mean... Who else, uh, really? I mean, there's not a lot of big contract guys that I can think of that are going to be hitting that second contract that's really the huge moneymaker. Uh, you still got cost control with uh, London. You already locked up. You, you know, Matthew, uh, excuse me, Lindstrom is locked up fine. You're not having to pay a quarterback <laughs> right now. Uh, defensive line, not a lot of young guys that are like, oh, yeah, we have to pay him and retain him. Uh, so you already paid Bates, of course. So you have a lot of cap and draft pick flexibility. So there is plenty of reason to be optimistic. Also, looking around the NFC South, I mean, who's going to take over? I mean, Tampa Bay looks feisty, but it is Baker Mayfield capped in the end, and a lot of the offensive infrastructure there is older. Uh, the Panthers, God, Lord knows what's going to happen with them and Bryce Young. They look just dreadful. I know you got beat by them, but broader sample size, broader sample size. Yeah, they didn't look good. doesn't mean the Panthers look like they're in a position to turn things around right away. Yeah, and the Saints are paying Derek Carr a bunch of money. They're still the credit card's going to come due at some point. Uh, I don't think they're about Allen, ninety million over the cap for next year already. I just I don't know what's going to happen. So the pathway here is really really positive for the Falcons. That's what makes this season so frustrating is because it feels like such a missed opportunity, especially with the defense finally looking competent for the first time since. Look, I've been watching Falcons football, Scott. I can't speak back to forever. Maybe it's been a decade. I mean, it's no, been Remember a while. Dean Peace saying what? You've had one top 10 offense defense in the last 30-something years? That I think he cursed on it. That's going to change. This yeah. place this this place needs an enema. We're going to yeah. we're going to we're going to change things up. And So again, while it's it's very frustrating and you can feel that frustration because it is a missed opportunity this season, uh there's still plenty of evolution that can be done here. You're not backed up against the wall where this was your shot. You can pivot off of this, which is one reason why I don't know if you want to bring back Arthur Smith. Be damn fair to him or not, but you know, do you want to use up that flexibility and capital that you possess right now with Arthur Smith, or could it be a good bargaining chip to be more enticing to a coach on the market? Uh, you can come in. We got the again good bones here. You can come in, pick your quarterback, and let's see what we can get going uh, here. Now we'll see what happens with the defense when that happens, because odds are you're having a turnover on the, the coaching staff here. I know Falcons fans. Oh, why don't we just keep our defensive coordinator? That's a rarity when a guy stays, when the regime changes up, changes up top above him. Broncos country would have loved to keep Ejiro Evero last season, but not happening when you have a regime change. Sorry. So we'll see what happens to the defense next season. Uh, but, and that's assuming Arthur Smith is fired, but again, rough right now, frustrating, lost opportunity. You have plenty of avenues to improve this team not just internally, but externally as well with the state of the NFC South. Um, our Tampa fan comes in here. Good to see you. Um, Bucks, Rays, Bolts, thanks for being here, and thanks for being a part of our community. You're, I, I love talking with fans of all ilks, uh, asking questions, learning, and, and being respectful of one another. I think it's great. Um, but he says, you got Jameis Ritter, <clears throat> Jameis Ritter or Fields. That one's easy. I just put them in the opposite order. You list it. Not, not. I would take Fields first, Jameis second, Ritter last out of that bunch. And he had another comment about the. Um, He's asking which battle you'd prefer. Ritter's the common denominator. It's. Oh, would you like I, I'd rather. I'd rather have Fields. Yeah. Field Fields would be my first choice of that bunch in here. 
Uh, Jameis would be a decent bridge quarterback. He would have been a better option than Marcus Mariota, uh, but he's still a stopgap until you get your guy. That guy just wasn't ready to be Desmond Ritter under this regime. And you also mentioned that uh, Baker Mayfield being a free agent, the the Bucks could franchise him. I don't see that happening. Um, that'd be a $40 million investment. Um, I don't think Baker Mayfield's going to get $40 million on the open market. He's going to get a much bigger payday and he's earned one, but I think he's looking 10 to 15, uh, somewhere in there on a multi-year deal, possibly. What did Derek Carr get paid? 150. Uh, quarterback market's wonky. I don't know what's going to happen with him, but he's looked competent and, you know, if, if you're competent at quarterback as a starter, you're going to get money. I mean, he's been better than Russell Wilson this season. I, I think that you could be, I think he's going to be looking for a Derek Carr-esque contract. What did he get guaranteed? Um, but I, that was a bad contract, man. Um, it was, but it was paid. And it, was it was four years. It was four years, a hundred million guaranteed. So that was, you know, 25 and change per. I, I think you're probably talking gonna... about 20 to 25 is what he's yeah, going to be that's... looking for. Well, I was about half on Daniel Jones too. What I said, I thought he would be worth and he signed double that. Um, Michael, I see you coming. We're going to get out of here soon. Michael's going to close us out. I wanted to, uh, this is a great question from Keith Brugman. Scott, you know, scouting are the Falcons better at college or pro personnel scouting or where could they use to most improvement? I think their pro personnel scouting has been fantastic. Honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, if you take a look at what they had to scrap together the last two years to put a team on the field that was competitive to win seven games. They were doing it with cast offs from the Tennessee Titans and the Chicago bears, and then signing competent cast off free agents, Eric Harris to do a job to run Harmon to do a job. Um, who's the guy they got from the Raiders, the corner that played pretty well until he got hurt. Um, he, he was doing a good job, but then on the interior defensive line, the Abdullah Andersons of the world. And now you've got LaCale London coming in and doing a job. Um, the, the guys that they brought in on the offensive line who have had to sub in have done really good. So I think they're off their, their pro personnel. And then let's turn to this year. They've hit on just about every free agent they've signed. Now, a lot of that's familiarity when you're bringing in guys from the saints who played for the saints, but is it worth spending all of this money on Jesse Bates? Pro scouting, yes. It's been worth every freaking penny. Um, does Calais Campbell still have enough in the tank? Yes. Does David Onyemata, is, is he worth what you want to pay him? Yes. Can Caden Ellis take that next step from a fairly small sample size in New Orleans to becoming a positive player, every down player on, the, on that side of the ball? Yes. Can Jeff Okuda, is he worth a pick swap and bringing in as a redemption project? Yes. The pro personnel has been really good. The college scouting has gotten, and it's it's definitely more volatile, and it's harder to project from one level to the next, but that's where some of your bigger misses have come. Uh, Richie Grant, especially in that first draft, Richie Grant, uh, Jalen Mayfield, just bad. Um, I question, will always question taking pits when you took him. Uh, I will question taking Bajan Robinson when you took him. Um, but I don't think the evaluation was wrong on that. That was more about team strategy, Nick. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, he's talented. You can still see it out there. So we'll see how it plays out. And I I don't know if you ever answered my true question, though, Scott. I mean, out of all the quarterbacks that are feasibly available, do you have any that are standing out to you as a guy? I know we're still in the fledgling process of review, and you'll get some eyes on guys down there. I'm curious, Scott. I think probably in the end, Jaden Daniels pulls Jayden out. Jaden Daniels Mobile. is my answer. He's going to be your answer. I think he's going to yeah. pull out of Mobile uh, in the end. I I probably you take him over. You're not including Drake May slash. Uh, I don't Caleb think Williams. he's going to. I don't think they're going to be available. So you think? Okay. Yeah, I think one and two is going to be off the table. You might be able to get to three. And there's um, a possibility that three is one of Williams slash yeah, May. That, I'd be fine with any one of those three. I think what makes what becomes the most viable option for the Atlanta Falcons will be Jaden Daniels. That's where I want to go. I want to, I want to, I want a significant early round investment in a quarterback of the future. Understandable. That's, that's where I'm going after that. Kirk cousins makes the most sense going back to Minnesota and he's coming off an injury and he's old. You're going to have to make that investment again. So if I get a guy, a bridge guy, I want to use a day two pick on a Michael Penix, a Bo Nix somewhere down the line. Is JJ McCarthy. Is he available? Does he slip into the second round? I want a first or second round pick and a quarterback this year for the Atlanta Falcons. It's going to be weird. And we talked about it. Carl and I talked about it last night. I'm building the Broncos though, but that uh, day two quarterback range is going to change a lot given how NIL and the extra COVID year is going to change the market of those uh, day two and day three quarterbacks. I just, guys are going to be staying longer and longer, I think, because they can make more money starting at a power five school than being a day three pick and hopefully, you know, boosting their stock in the same process. So I'm curious to see what that middle class of quarterback prospects look like this season and going forward with that massive variable change uh, in all of that. But I'm with you. Jade, I'm, I'm curious to see how the quarterbacks play out. I think there is a possibility that Daniels even jumps a Drake may uh, in the end, it's going to come down to quarterback preference. I mean, even the year when Trevor Lawrence came out, teams changed board to board of who their number one quarterback was. Some teams had Zach Wilson over Trevor Lawrence as laughable as that sounds right now. It, they did. They did. Uh, it's, it's a pretty good authority on that one. So uh, that's a, it will be a league by or a team by team basis on that. So we'll see who's possible. And uh, yeah, Jay Maps says, if we get Jaden Daniels, I see you. Yeah. Jaden Daniels is because uh, yeah, be Jay said about Justin Fields, but I, I, I'm would be excited to see Justin Fields play for the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, with the offensive infrastructure and a, and a defense they've got around him. I'd be really excited to see that, but I'd prefer Jaden Daniels. I'd prefer a fresh start. Yeah, and I know we're at an hour here, but uh, you, you, it's fun just to talk about the hypotheticals here. Let's say you do bring in Justin Fields. Which direction are you going with that first pick? Let's say it's at nine. Where are you hoping to go? I'd hope the edge was still there. Okay. Um, I, I'd probably invested on the defensive side of the ball. Um, unless I saw a wide receiver that I loved, but uh, I would probably go on the defense. I still want the edge. For me, it would go edge corner, one, two. I could possibly go offensive tackle and put a lot of pressure, put some pressure on Caleb McGarry to improve that side, but I'm okay with Caleb McGarry. But it goes edge corner for me, edge corner wide receiver. Okay. After the quarterback is where I would probably go. As it stands right now, I think the probability of best player available when you are on the clock, there is probably a wide receiver slash a offensive tackle. The real kicker uh, would be tight end Brock Bowers, which would be, I, I think, feel like Falcons fans might pull I've their hair him out. before. He plays differently than Fields. He's a lot different. And as then, I'm a, trading, then I'm trading Pitts. Pitts, yeah, excuse me. That's what I meant, not Fields. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, verse, I see DT or edge on here, defense. 
I think there's a multitude of ways you can go. If you brought in Ben Johnson and he wanted to, you know, run the three option uh, passing offense that we're seeing there uh, with the Detroit Lions right now, I think wide receiver is still viable. I know, Scott, it's kind of, you know, mind melding who to thought after all these picks at skill position, you might even consider another one. But a lot of these teams that are just, you know, the hyper efficient offenses right now, they have weapons out both wazoos and they can just pick their matchups. Uh, I'm okay with the offense. And I think the defense is overachieving. I think they've yeah. got to get some some natural pressure on there. Yeah. I expect you know the, the big guys should be okay. Uh, Grady should come back 100. Um, percent You get Troy Anderson back, so you could you'll add some speed there. And Michael, you said something when I was running through the pro scouting, college scouting about Nate Landman. Landman was a college scouting move. So when mm-hmm. I was running through the college versus pro landman was a hit that's a great get you get lucky on something like that and he's coming in and playing great but that was that goes to the college scouting not the pro scouting the pro scouting their hit rate is damned good the college scouting department it's never going to be as good as the pro you you if your pro is competent it's never going to be because there's too much variance in there but again i can run through the draft picks for uh for the falcons and there's there's too many misses in there there's there's too many misses in there for me. Um, well, we'll be fun to talk about. Edge is certainly a possibility. We'll have plenty of time to talk about the names here at some point and get through a lot of these. Uh, we haven't done one single draft simulation yet, Scott. So uh, <laughs> it, it'll come at some point here. Michael coming in again here, $20, 70 bucks today, Michael. God bless you. This is a great show today. Scott and Nick on the Falcons podcast. Thank you so much, Michael. We appreciate you. That is a good time to close us out. We went long today. We always promise you we'll go longer because we cut it a little short on Mondays. And... You know, we're, we always think we try and go an hour, but this this conversation has been awesome. The viewership has been steady. We appreciate you being here. Um, Chris Walker asks a question, uh, you know, do we get a safety to replace Grant? Yes, they'll be in the safety market, just probably not that high. That would be a day two, day three thing where you're bringing some guys in and hoping that DeMarco Hellams also keeps moving up. Um, but yes, I, I think it's time to, I'm not going to say pull the plug, but it's time to, draft some competition for that spot that was handed to, to Richie Grant at the beginning of the season because he hasn't done enough to hold on to it. So I'm, I'm absolutely on that one. Um, Keith Robbins says, can we draft a coach like Kirby Smart? I'm not sure Blank can afford Kirby Smart. Kirby Smart is in the absolute perfect, perfect, perfect position for Kirby Smart. I want him to stay at the University of Georgia and have success for as long as he wants to be there, which hopefully for Georgia fans is a long, long time. Uh, he is a great person. He is a great college football coach. He went to the University of Georgia. I'm 99% sure he's from Georgia. I love seeing him success there. He's uh, he's a, I've always been a big fan of Kirby for the 20 something years I've been doing this type of uh, this type of thing. And, and Sean Carter asks, "Is it true that Atlanta doesn't have a QB coach?" I thought Dave Ragone was the quarterback coach. Um, so I don't quite get that one. I thought Dave Ragone was a quarterback coach slash co-offensive coordinator. Um, might be off on that one a little bit, but I want to say thank you to Michael twice coming in. Look at that. He's coming in orange and hot pink. David Cromelo, thank you, sir, for coming in with a super. Some stars from Keith and Ellen Johnson. Thank you. Greg, custom kicks as well. And then Keith Robbins also on Facebook. I see people are starting to tune out as we are saying goodbye, and that's fine. Just a reminder, on your way out, hit that like, share, and subscribe button. Nick and I will be back on Friday 
We'll be talking some playoff previews. And frankly, Nick, I think the only one I missed last week of the games I picked that had playoff implications was the Falcons-Panthers. I think I hit on every other one. So make sure you tune in on Friday. Uh, that will be our last show before Christmas, which is right around the corner. Uh, thanks to everybody that came in today. Nick, any last words before we get going? Uh, should be a really fun um, time this weekend. We're we'll excited to see what happens. We have, isn't this weekend 49ers Ravens? I mean, that's talk about Merry Christmas to us. That is, I mean, Super Bowl favorites right now on both conferences. So we'll see we what happens. Saints Rams tomorrow. That one has big playoff implications. Bengals Steelers. Steelers might be cooked. Um, Bills Chargers. Bills are on a tear. Colts. At Falcons, we'll talk a little bit of that one. The Seahawks are back in the playoff race. Lions-Vikings also has huge playoff implications for the Vikes. Uh, you got the Commanders-Jets to see who wants to get a higher draft pick. Packers desperately need a win against the Panthers. And uh, they're in Carolina. They'll show just how bad the Falcons were. Browns-Texans is a huge game. Jaguars-Buccaneers is a big game. Yeah. Cowboys-Dolphins is a big game. Raiders-Chiefs, maybe. Yeah. Uh, Eagles need to get back on the winning and then a Monday night football on ABC ESPN plus Ravens 49ers. So we'll get into all of those on yeah. Friday. We'll be a lot of fun. We'll see what happens. Uh, always fun hanging out with you guys. We'll see what happens. Go, go programming ahead. note. Y'all for those of you stuck around programming note, uh, I will be simulcasting with the horseshoe huddle podcast on these channels. So I'll be here tomorrow night at seven o'clock. So make sure you're subscribing and you will get the alerts. But tomorrow night, I'm not sure if they're bringing me in for the whole show or if I'll just be a segment, but I'll go live. When I go live, I'll hit live on my channels. Simulcast Thursday night, Colts Falcons preview before Nick and I are back on Friday and we will take Monday off. So the Falcons podcast will be on Tuesday morning, not Monday morning, because we want everybody to enjoy as much of a Merry Christmas as you can with your friends and family. Yeah, Thank you for that. <laughs> Last Christmas with just the two of us with my wife and I. So that'll be fun. Appreciate everyone. If we don't see you again, happy holidays. Have a good one. Uh, don't drink and drive. And uh, you also, you're not alone. Uh, my Twitter is not on here. I thought typically it is. But uh, that suicide hotline's there. You can reach out to me on Twitter as well. Say, hey, I just need somebody to chat with here real quick. I mean, not alone. Everything's going to be okay. And I uh, appreciate you guys. Have a safe, happy holidays. And always choose kindness and compassion. Absolutely. Thanks for being here, everybody. Uh, thanks for all the support. We're having a blast doing this and the show is growing because of people like you, some of our OGs and some of our new G's in here. So thank you so much. We will see y'all tomorrow night, seven o'clock Falcons Colts preview before we come back on Monday. I'll have a heck of a hump day. <laughs>